A very good afternoon and welcome to In Tune with myself, Naledi Mulao, right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It's five minutes after 12 o'clock and this is the youth show that takes you all the way up till one o'clock this afternoon. And it's all about young people and another um, issue that's been making news. And, you know, young people, young different young youth organizations have had a lot to say, especially on the social networks. And that's what I've been seeing a lot of the conversation taking place. And I thought it might be important important for us to then uh, bring it on to to in tune and discuss it as well and that is the issue of graduation tax what is it and what do young people really think about it of course um the African National Congress at their elective conference in Mangawung just last year in December uh, really started talking a lot about what they can do to address some of the challenges that young people are facing. And one of those solutions that was that was that that was then revealed at the conference was introducing a graduation tax. Now I must clarify that the ANC has emphatically stated that this is not a confirmed or a firm recommendation, but it is definitely one that that they feel should be discussed in the future and I'm joined in studio today by Mwaku Silamulela who is the president of the South African Students Congress or SASCO and I'm really glad that you're here because not only do you represent young people that are in higher learning institutions but you also were in that educational commission in Mangawung were you not? Thank you very much. Uh, greetings to the listeners of SAFM. Uh, greetings to you, mm-hmm. Lady uh, we, we were in the Commission of uh, Education in Mangaung and uh, we, we, we had raised our concerns on, uh, on the matter of education tax. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, the decision was not taken. What was uh, recommended was that uh, this uh, matter must be discussed further. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to indicate that uh, as far as we are concerned, discussing this matter further is actually a waste of our precious time. Uh, we, we believe that it is uh, uh, a mechanism that will never work in a country with uh, so high level of uh, income inequality. And to apportion uh, additional tax on graduates on the basis that they have been in higher education is also against the very logic that uh, education is a societal issue, not uh, a matter that uh, relates only to students or mm-hmm. uh, people who have passed through higher education. So we believe that really uh, we, we have a lot of things to do and a lot of things to discuss. This is uh, another waste of our precious time. But now you were in the commission. You're saying that, you know, from Sasko's point of view, the discussion around graduation tax is a waste of your time. But first, let's explain what we mean by graduation tax, because I think a lot of people, um, I I mean, when I talk about this with with my peers, a lot of the questions are, what do you mean by graduation tax? What is graduation tax? And I think that that's what people would like to understand. The, 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 The kind of system that we've seen in England where young people would graduation tax really means is that young people are paying back their student loans um, over a period of time as they progress through their lives. What does, is that what it means for us? What does it mean? Uh, and unfortunately, we are not the one who are proposing the, the, the mechanism. So we will believe that uh, other people who are proposing it can have uh, better views on it. But uh, mm-hmm. what has been explained to us is that uh, students who uh, graduates upon uh, receiving uh, university or college education, you will get a text mm-hmm. uh, on the on the basis that you have been in uh, in a university when mm-hmm. you get the job and that uh, or a college and that uh, really it is uh, utter nonsense if you ask us because mm-hmm. we are living in a country that uh, just recently it has been revealed that. Uh, 
every single working South African, an African South African, is having uh, three other student, uh, three other people who are reliant on uh, that person. And uh, we believe really this is an attempt to impoverish our people. Uh, as opposed to that, we have uh, proposed education tax on high-earning South Africans and uh, companies that are making uh, fortunes out of uh, our skills as students and uh, as uh, graduates. So we, that, that is what we have proposed. I mean, the trucks that they use... Yeah, I need to understand what the difference is between an education uh, kind of trust and, 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 and the graduation tax, and I think that's what we want to understand. But first, I think, you know, more than anything, our listeners would like to get an understanding of when we talk about a graduation tax, what it is exactly that we're talking about. So we have on the line Mr. Billy Jobert, who is the tax director at Deloitte, uh, and he's on the line with us. Mr. Jobert, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, first let's try and understand. We're talking about a tax, a graduate tax. What does that mean? Well, I think at this point it's a concept more than a reality, so we're not quite sure what form it will take. I think, as your guest said, it, it seems to be a tax that's imposed on graduates, and it relates to the fact that they've had the benefit of an education, uh, a formal education, and therefore it's some kind of contribution towards uh, the cost of other people being educated. Uh, however, exactly what form it will take remains to be seen. I mean, one of the difficulties is often that uh, you can't guarantee that because you're a graduate you'll necessarily get a job. Also, newly graduated people often don't earn a lot because they are at the early stages of their career. So, um, you know, whether it will apply for just a few years, I mean, I wouldn't imagine one could uh, tax people indefinitely just because they have a degree. And in any event, the people who, who do well and do ultimately earn well pay a lot of income tax because they would be in the marginal tax bracket. So I think we're all grappling with what the actual reality of this tax will be. Mm. I, I think we want to. I want to speak to you a little bit later on. So please just do stay on the line. We just got joined in studio by Magashulegana, who is the youth leader of the Democratic Alliance. Just to introduce him uh, properly, really, what he is and who he is. Uh, Gana Magashule is the deputy federal chair of the Democratic Alliance, and he's also the Democratic Alliance youth leader and DA council in the set in the city of Johannesburg. Thank you so much for joining us, Gana. Thanks, my lady, and uh, afternoon to your listeners. Um, I think I know that uh, you know the the, the Democratic Alliance has also shown quite a bit of opposition to the to the yeah. graduate tax. Tell us about your arguments. Uh, we we as the DA and the DA youth, we feel that uh, it it doesn't make sense uh, to to tax uh, students on the basis that they they went to to university, mm. uh, given the the state that uh, the country is in in terms of. Uh, mm-hmm. Students, not many of them, as uh, the your text consultant said, it's not guaranteed that they will get a job. But it will be unfair to to levy a tax over and above the income tax that uh, uh, already were if, you were saying, I mean, yes. if you start working, you'll pay. And an- another aspect that people maybe when they were proposing this that they, they did not take into account is that if if you levy a tax. Let's say you were to leave your tax, uh, and this is not the first time this has come into, into the fore. Uh, in, in other countries like England, they tried to introduce this kind of a thing, and the reason it did not succeed was that how do you, how do you then say, Ghana here you studied BA, which cost 30,000, mm-hmm. and Malaysia here you, stu- you studied engineering, which cost 70,000. Mm-hmm. How do you ensure that when you leave the tax, they will repay the money that that has been uh, spent ed, ed, uh, in their education. So those are some of the things that uh, with, we we believe uh, should should not uh, encourage 
the council. I think I think the measure here and the, and the real question and, and why maybe bringing a, a graduate tax might be important is that it's not about how much um, you do get back into the system so that you can educate other young people. It's about getting something out there. I mean, you're talking about how the system didn't work so well in England, but in in Australia it proved to be quite successful with university places rising 40% each year um, in the 90s because of a graduate tax and and really what it was was you know as you as as you progress in your career then you pay a little bit more tax which means you have a little bit more to give is that not a fair system Marco? can you repeat it is, is not a, it, is it not a fair is it not a fair statement to say that it can possibly work if if you do make sure that as the as each graduate progresses in their life and they start to make a little bit more of an income that then they can afford to give more tax and then and and thus educate other young people well what we are saying really ourselves is that uh, we have a problem of people who are in a lot in South Africa or who have an income that is a lot and those who absolutely have no income. So what we are saying is that those who have more income uh, must uh, contribute to education of those who do not have. Yeah. And uh, that must be introduction of a progressive uh, taxation system. And uh, really the argument that uh, people have been taxed now and so forth and so on, we have uh, Gini coefficients that, uh, that is almost perfect in the country. We are one of the most unequal societies in the world. And we must be ashamed and people who have... Uh, uh, resources who are keeping resources into their in their bank accounts must be ashamed that uh, they are living in the same country side by side uh, with the poverty. On the other side of the street, they are filthy rich, and on the other side of the street, there are people who cannot even go to school, cannot afford education, and such people must be ashamed. And our government really must uh, stop. But would uh, a graduation tax not level those playing fields? Would a graduation tax uh, not then wait? Let me let me just complete my, my my question. Would a graduation tax not mean that then what you've got is more young people being entered into the higher education system regardless of uh, their social standing? It will uh, mean that, but uh, at the same time, it will also mean that uh, graduates who are earning far too little are going to be more impoverished. We have a study now, recently from the Institute of Race Relations, mm. that says that every single African uh, uh, working person has three more people to take care of. Mm. And that will mean that that person will be in a web of poverty, will be trapped in a web of poverty, and that is not what we want. They are people who are making money out of skills that we get in institutions. We go to institutions, government and our parents uh, take the, the, the burden of paying their fees. But at the end of the day, we make profit for who? For big capital. And I mean, uh, we can't live in a country where big capital is left alone and the poor always uh, looked down it. Okay, well, Ghana, Ghana is smiling and giggling in the back, and I'm very, I'm very keen to hear what it is you have to say. But I'd also like to take a few calls, 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207. You can also SMS us on 34701. That's 34701. Remember, those SMSs are charged at Turan Ghana. No, thanks. But you know the this argument that when you you introduce an education tax, then all of a sudden you you you'll start having a lot of learners going to university or furthering their studies. It seems to suggest or come from a side uh, an uh, presumption that the, the problem that we have in this country is the absence of money. Mm -hmm. It seems to suggest that people are saying 
uh, we can't educate our learners because we don't have money. And the only way we can educate our, our young people is if we get more money. And we must do everything we can to extract as much money as, as we, we can, can from uh, uh, individuals, uh, uh, from corporate. I mean, everyone that, that, that works, everyone that works now pays tax. Now, that money gets allocated to education, gets allocated to health and, and so forth. So now the problem is that people are not spending the money that is being allocated now. Because when you pay tax, when I pay my income tax, I, I do not say this one goes to education, this one goes to health, <laughs> this one goes to engineering and so forth. That money gets apportioned according to, to what, the, the, what the country needs. But the, the, the point that I wanted to make was that we as uh, beneficiaries, of uh, state assistance, mm. and I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. you know? I'm from a poor background. Where to complete my degree, I studied through NSFAS. I took it upon myself after completing, when I started working, to repay the money that NSFAS gave me. Because for me, it's not like saying, um, I'm it, it was not a loan mentality that was in my head, it was to say, this money that I'm paying back needs to assist the next generation of, of, of students. And that's something that we the beneficiaries of NSFAS need to do that as soon as we start working we should say alright I got assistance from government through NSFAS and let me pay back it mm -hmm. should not be something that uh, uh, NSFAS needs to go to, to court to, to, to get a judgment against you because you don't want to pay them it should be something that comes from within ourselves you know? mm -hmm. so we have a lot of beneficiaries of NSFAS who, who have taken it upon themselves not to pay right. so now you, you're saying alright if these people who are beneficiaries of uh, NSFAS are not, do not want to pay back, do you now then go to other people who, who did not benefit? You know, instead of saying, guys, we benefited, we are all from poor backgrounds, there are other uh, learners coming through the system that needs our assistance. Mm. So the money that we got, let's pay it back so that the next generation of learners can be... Can be it's starting to sound like you're somewhat agreeing, though, that, that, that once you have benefited, you need to give back. Because the argument here is that who needs to be, who needs to be paying a graduate tax? No. And you're saying that what, what, even those that have benefited should be doing what, that. What I'm saying is that if you get assistance from NSFAS, you must pay back. That, that one I don't, I don't disagree with. Okay. If you get assistance from NSFAS, you must pay back. Yes. So now what, what we are proposing as a DA and the DA youth is that maybe NSFAS is, uh, is found wanting in, in their collection system, the, the South African Revenue Services can come to assist them. So now the, the collection system of NSFAS can be moved away from NSFAS mm -hmm. to, to SARS mm -hmm. to collect the money that, that's owed to it. Because if, if you benefit, then you must pay back. That, okay. That's what that one I don't I don't disagree with. Okay. I, disagree I, I, with I want to I want to I want to I want to continue I want to continue talking a little bit more about that because you know there's uh, you know Mwako also looks like he's got a lot to say. We've also got calls and we'll be taking more. Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. We'll take the calls right after this. SABC One launches the after party on the 11th of February, midnight to 5 a.m. Watch the freshest music videos. Check out the hottest parties in Zanzi from the coolest presenters on the after party. Monday to Sunday, midnight to 5 a.m. Only on SABC One, Zanzi Folk Show. The Big Debate team travels the length and breadth of South Africa in an effort to give ordinary citizens a voice. This is your opportunity to speak directly to top decision makers. What is your gripping question? Who has the solution? 
Join me, Sikim Kabateli, on SABC2's new talk show, The Big Debate. Take part and don't miss out. The Big Debate, every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC2. In tune. 104 to 107 is where you are. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is myself, Naledi Molo, right here on Intune, and it's all about young people. And today we're having a very heated discussion, if I if I could say so myself, actually. We're talking about graduation tax, and we're joined in studio by Magashule Gane, Deputy Federal Chair of the Democratic Alliance, and also Mwako Silamulela, the President of the South African Students' Congress. And on the line, we still have Mr. Billy Jobert, who is um, from Deloitte, and he's a tax director, and he's going to be talking to us a little bit later on about whether or not from a tax perspective this is something that's necessary could it work but we're going to be speaking to him a little bit later 0891-104-207 if you'd like to give us a call i want to take some of those calls right now we've got uh, makisi in durban makisi hello yes hello you are speaking to makosi kosa makosi yes thank you, you know, for joining us But I think more than anything, this is an important discussion to have because it is around finding solutions to the problems that we have in our education system so that we can invite more young people to go to school. Um, we're also going to hear from Morris in Johannesburg. Morris, hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for calling in, Morris. Hello. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Uh, uh, greetings to President Mwako and greetings to all your listeners uh, and all your guests. I, my view on, on the graduate tax is that uh, we live in a country where people seem to be confused as to where most of the money is. Mm. Now, most of the money in South Africa is in about 10% of the country, which earns more than 80% of the whole country put together. It's in multinationals who generate unsustainable profits in this almost not comparable to any other developing country. Mm. Now, if you take the national development plan of this country, it will remain a pipeline dream until free education is implemented in South Africa, and, and until you are able to to channel uh, the flow of skills from the FET sector and your small enterprise development initiative, so that you can create jobs and not encourage people to look for jobs. Now, when you come with a graduate tax, you are saying that somebody who is earning an intense salary of 2,000 rand must be taxed on top of the financial student uh, scheme that they have to pay back. Uh, in their first year of working, uh, number one. And then secondly, you are saying that 
uh, you believe that of all the sources of revenue in this country, the, the, your most convenient is recent recent graduate. You have just come out of the country. Let alone the fact that you have only 13% of South Africans with a degree. Let alone the fact that you have a 70% dropout of poor students who are particularly black in these universities because of the inefficient funding model that is applied by the National Student Financial Aid Scheme. So I really, I think uh, President Wabo has said the rest. I don't want to repeat this, but many people need to come down to institutions of higher learning and see exactly what What's happens happening. for one yeah. to even become a graduate. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Morris. Last call there, KG in Bloemfontein. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, so thank you for calling I'm in. All right. Thank you very much. I must say I'm, I'm, I'm really, really alarmed. I'm, 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 I'm horrified at, at this ridiculous suggestion that I'm hearing. Number one, I think, uh, you see, once you, 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 you have gone to school and you are a graduate, mm. already you are contributing to the government. In the form of not being dependent on this uh, ridiculous uh, social grants, you mm. know. Mm. Once you work and you pay tax, you contribute to the economy, it means you have taken off yourself of the, 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 the dependency, this thing of, 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 of the government. Now, I think we, we are backing up the wrong tree here. We can introduce how many taxes how we want. We can even pay 100%. Tax, you know, work for my Allah. That's a little bit scary. <laughs> as long as our government is as corrupt as it is, we will never achieve nothing. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that comment, uh, KG. Um, a lot of points that have been made there, Ghana, and this is something that I wanted to bring back to you, you know, a little bit earlier on. Iwako looks like he wants to bite my head off. Uh, but just quickly, you know, before we took that break, we, talk, we talked about, um, we spoke about how you were saying that, you know, those who have benefited from, say, NSFS should then, should then give back. But we've got a lot of SMSs and Morris saying the same thing, that, you know, we have the small pool of, of wealthy people that hold the majority of South Africa as wealth, and yet we're not seeing, and we're t- and you're talking about having those that have benefited that needed the help giving back. What about that pool that we're talking about there? I mean, we've got a few SMSs that are stating the same thing, and that I'll read out as well. No, thanks. I think, I think uh, it it's it's incorrect mm. to think that uh, the 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 tax system in this country is not progressive. Mm-hmm. If you if you earn uh, just over over sixty thousand. You are, you are taxed at eighteen percent of the of the amount greater than uh, than, than sixty thousand, and if you earn more, you are taxed more because that's that's how the tax system in this country works. Mm-hmm. So if you've got someone who earns a million, let's say someone earns a million, and they have to pay tax, they will pay uh, let's say at forty percent. I'm I'm not I don't have my calculator here, but they will pay around four hundred thousand into the tax coffers. Mm. So now, if if we are saying the high earners must be taxed more. What are we talking about? I was saying that they must be taxed 80%, or must they be taxed 70%? Because the, the tax system in this country, it is progressive. You can ask any tax, you can ask a tax consultant. Mm-hmm. It is progressive. It depends on how much you earn. If you earn more, you get taxed more. That's mm-hmm. how the tax system in this country works. So now, if we Let me actually bring that to, but I think we still have Mr. Billy Jobert on the line. Okay, so we're going to speak to him a little bit later on. We have lost him, so we will get him back. But I want to actually bring that point to him. Um, Wako, you want to you wanna say something? Really, I, I think that uh, we must take this opportunity to educate our people, uh, including uh, my fellow colleague from the Democratic Alliance. Mm. I mean, uh, we, we, what we are saying is that there must be a special tax for education. This is not a graduate tax that has been proposed. Because in any way, 
40% of a million remains 40% of a million. What you remain with is still remains a chunk. Something that uh, my mother does not earn over five years. You earn it over a month. And uh, we want to believe that is normal. But uh, Mr. Ghana also uh, believes that the, we have uh, no issues of shortages of uh, resources in this country. That is a fallacy. I mean, I must uh, take my, uh, Mr. Ghana on a tour to institutions of higher learning. To see That's really around happening. Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. Go to Central Johannesburg College. That college cannot accommodate 2,000 students on a full-time basis. It can't. And when we say there must be a tax... For education, we mean it must also cover infrastructure development and so forth and so on. Mm. There are a lot of challenges. I mean, in this country, we have less than a million young people who are in, uh, who are in universities with a population of more than 50% of young people, mm -hmm. one of the most youthful uh, countries in the world. Yeah. And we still have less than a million in universities. We have uh, around less than... Uh, half a million in colleges, in the public college sector mm, in this country. Mm. And uh, Mr. Ghana believes that really uh, that uh, percentage out of that uh, less than a million that pays for NSFAS will accommodate majority of other students who are outside the system. It well, is not yeah, possible. Well, we have, it, it is true. We do have a, a really big crisis when, it, when we talk about education. And what I want to do is, is, you know, I want to actually, and I love the fact that, you know, the South African Students' Congress also has its own idea for solutions and, and, and the Democratic Alliance has its own idea for solutions. And I would have liked to have heard from the ANC Youth League and we had, in, in fact, invited uh, Magdalene Munsemi, spokesperson of the ANC Youth League and she cancelled on us this morning. Um, but let's let's actually let's actually just uh, let's actually just cross to Natalie Germanis, who's in Newlands, and she's going to give us an update on how South Africa is doing versus Pakistan in that cricket game. Thank you very much. At the moment, South Africa 247 for seven. We're into the final over before the lunch break. There's four balls left in this over. The deficit is 91. Hasn't been the best day for South Africa, but it probably could have been a little bit worse. We've got uh, Robin Peterson at the moment on 39. Vernon Philander on 11. The partnership is worth 37. So it's just starting to climb for South Africa. They need a lot more from these two batsmen because the deficit is still 91. So they're a long way away of knocking off those runs. Today, South Africa have lost Dean Algar and A.B. de Villiers. The last the recognised batsman. Dean Algar was caught by Yunus Khan at first slip off the bowling of Ajmal, which has given him now six wickets for 76 runs, and he's into his 36 over. Dean Algar made 23 from 83 with two fours. A.B. de Villiers then was caught by Umar Ghul at mid-on. Not the best of shots from him, but it did give Mohamed Irfan his first test wicket. A.B. de Villiers made 61 from 113 with seven fours. That was when the score was on 210. It's now moved up to 248 for seven. At the crease, Peterson is on 40. Philander, 11. Deficit is 90. Matthew Jamanis for SAFM Sports. Thank you for that update, Natalie. Uh, uh, um, we, we are on uh, 104 to 107 right here on SFM South Africa's News and Information Leader. Still joined in studio by Magashulegane, Deputy Federal Chair of the Democratic Alliance and also a fiery young person, the President of the South African Students' Congress, that happened to be in that uh, commission at the Mangawung Conference when the graduate tax was discussed. And I'm very excited because we have the Minister of Higher Learning on the line, Mr. Blade. Monday, and he would like to comment. Minister, thank you so much for calling in. What is your comment, sir? Nalezi, good afternoon. Thank you very much. I was just listening to your debate. I just thought that maybe I, I need to give a context within which this debate needs to be taken forward. That's all I want to say. Firstly, 
There is no resolution taken by the ANC in Mangaung mm. or by government to introduce a graduate tax. <clears throat> this is something that was said it should be considered, and in other words, it should be discussed. Mm-hmm. And what was the reasoning from some of the people, if I understood them correctly, who were raising this? They were saying, for instance, students who are getting National Student Financial Aid Scheme, when they go back to work, they must pay back, which is correct. Mm-hmm. But, Naledi, do you know that government subsidizes all university students by 64%? Mm-hmm. Up to 50%. Their fees actually is less than 40%, far less than that. Okay. So then those people who were arguing for this were saying, is it fair only to expect national students to pay back? And those who happen to, to be able to pay for themselves are not expected to actually pay anything back yet. They are all subsidized by the state, albeit different. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the, the, the argument that was being made by those who were actually arguing for this. The second thing also, they were saying a graduate tax also could be used as a way of paying back for those who have got loans. Alright? Mm-hmm. But then when you do it, don't only do it in relation to those who have got loans, do it even for those who come from richer and better, better backgrounds because they have all been subsidized by the state. Okay. Now, that is, I thought that that context is very important because it could either graduate tax would be a method of collecting the tax back or some kind of equitable formula to say you can't punish your poorest students to pay back some of the money they were given as, as bursaries or loans, yet the others are also subsidized by the state. They don't pay anything back. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so the graduate tax would then be for all students who are subsidized, for all students across the board? It could be like that. I'm not saying that there is a proposal. It's something that needs to be discussed. We have not taken that position as government. Mm. Where the ANC also has not. The, the issue is just that the ANC conference said this matter must be discussed and be debated. And here are some of the considerations. I was worried that in, in your debate and with all your participants, this background is not coming across. Mm. Yeah. If, if we are to debate, it's good that it's being debated, that's fine. But you must know there's no resolution on it. And secondly, these were the, some of the considerations, some of which I think they make sense. Why punish only the poor students? Mm. You know? Yet everybody is subsidized in one way or the other by the state to get university education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I, and I, I did mention that at the beginning of the show, but thank you so much for clearing that up. And I think that that's, that's as people discuss this, this idea of graduate tax, they're not thinking about the fact that, look, this isn't, there is no confirmation. This was a discussion that was had, and, and more discussions need to take place. But thank you so much for clearing that up. Um, Ghana also mentioned the idea that already, um, once someone graduates, you're already facing um, your income tax on your own. Is that not enough? Yeah, well, that's an issue for debate. Similarly, as we should actually be taking the, the very legitimate points that, is, that are being made by SASCO president mm. there, by saying, why don't you tax the rich? Because, for instance, what, what we're talking about here is how do we get additional resources? That is the issue that was informing the debate. How do we get additional resources? Yeah. SASCO has got a suggestion which is well worth engaging. Mm-hmm. There have also been suggestions, by the way, that this mining tax that the president was talking about, that we need to be reviewing, you know, and so on, it should be, some people are arguing it should be used 
for instance, to finance education mm. so that we are able to, to move quicker in introducing uh, free higher education, especially for poor students. You know, So all these things need to be thrown into the pot so that we can actually have a sensible discussion. Well, I'd, I'd like to have that, that, that pot right here in my studio. So just to thank you so much for, for speaking to us, Minister Bladens, the Minister of Higher Learning in South Africa. And I'm so glad that he called in because that's an opinion we really need. Firstly, it is important to highlight that this discussion of, of introducing a graduate tax is not one that is a firm consideration. It is really a discussion that was started in Mangawung and is still going to happen and, and will continue as we're doing right now. The minister did speak there about some of the suggestions that we have. So let's speak about yours, Marco, the suggestions coming from the South African well, students. What we are saying here is that the universities, public universities and colleges do not belong to students. They belong to society at large. If mm. they have to be maintained, they must be maintained by society as at large. So apportioning the responsibility to people who have passed through the system is, is an attempt to believe that there are no others who will uh, go through the system mm-hmm. or an attempt to create an ivory tower institution. That is what we have fought against for long. So we believe that uh, an attempt to say maintaining the infrastructure, funding of students is a, a matter that must be left to graduates or to people who have went through the higher education system is wrong because these are our own, as a people of South Africa, our own properties. Mm-hmm. It belongs to us, not okay. just to the state, to the people of the country. The people of the country have a responsibility to those institutions. Okay, and Ghana, the suggestion coming from, from, from the, the Democratic Alliance. No, thanks. I think, I think from our side, it's, uh, it's a more saying, with the resources that we have now, and that's, some, that's a point that Keiji was making to say, even if you had to tax us 100% when we work for free, when people are misusing the little resources that are there, what guarantees do we have that uh, when you have more resources... But now the question is suggestions, because those are issues that we can debate on and on. The question is what... what you see, Sasko is saying, you know, here's, here's an alternative. What's the alternative to the graduate tax? You, you see... You, you don't necessarily need to have an alternative to the graduate tax if you, if you do not believe in it. What, what they're saying is that there's, there's not, it's, the question is not the absence of money. Mm. It's how the money is getting used. So if we, all the monies that uh, are collected through income tax are used correctly, that dream uh, or that ideal where we'll have free education will be realized sooner. But as long as we have people who think that the, the money that is collected from individuals and, and, and companies and everyone else who pays tax mm. belongs to them and, and not uh, assisting society, yes. then we, 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 have a, we have a problem. Okay. I want to take a look at some of the SMSs that we have gotten. Another one saying the ANC doesn't want the black population to be educated. Then, they may, then we must not vote for them again. Uh, we have another one that says that I come from a disadvantaged background. My family worked their fingers to the bone to have my study pay for. It's my turn to provide for my family now. And then we have another one that says should we not first audit the success rates of sponsorships like NSFAS? Um, we must stop throwing money at our social problems uh, how much commitment is there from uh, the majority of our youth to study and be responsible citizens very important question and then another one that says this tax is not going to address inequality we need re- redistribution of wealth and means of uh, production and no nation can survive on taxes that's from uh, Ukosi in Port Elizabeth and another one that says taxing is outrageous I work I, is outrageous. I worked and I paid for my education so go for the obscenely rich and they should be the ones that are paying 
saying this text. Those are some of the SMSs that we've got that we've gotten <coughs> through on the show. We're still joined on the line though by Mr. J- uh, Billy Gilbert, who is tax director at Deloitte, and he's going to just clarify um, some of the points that our guests in studio have raised. Um, really around, uh, is it something that a, a graduate tax is it something that is feasible? Is it something that we really can see? And is it necessary? And how successful would it be? But thank you so much to Ghana and Wako as well to uh, representing the South African Students Congress and also the Democratic Alliance for joining us. Uh, Mr. Jobert, is it something that is feasible? Look, I think anything is feasible, but one has to be careful of two things. One is placing an additional tax burden on people. Mm. And there are some excellent points being made, including the, uh, the point that we are already paying a lot of tax. You know, no one should think that higher earners are not heavily taxed. They are. Uh, secondly, there's the administrative complexity of having a separate form of tax, because we already have an income tax system mm. which collects money. We have a VAT system which collects a big pot of money, and these uh, mechanisms are well established, well administered by SARS. If we introduce a new form of tax which has a different collection mechanism, there's a whole lot of bureaucracy and machinery that has to, to go along with that, and there's a lot of cost. So I think it would be better rather to align, if we need extra money, we need to do it through our existing tax system, either through VAT, which is controversial because it's tax on spending, or through income tax. But we have to be very, very careful about, about not placing either companies or individuals under an undue tax burden because we're competing for capital mm. and we're competing as a country for skills. Well, I mean, a lot of the argument that's come out of our discussion today, especially from Magashulekana, was that, you know, already people are, 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 we're already paying our income tax, we're already paying, paying our VAT, and we're already contributing so much. And the question is, um, is it being used appropriately? Do we need to contribute more? Well, I think that, yeah, there's both the money in, which is the tax we pay, and there's the way the money gets spent. I, I think the ANC government should be commended for the fact that it's been very cautious about tax rates. Tax rates have not gone up under the ANC. In fact, they've come down. The corporate tax rate has come down. The individual tax rate at one point was 42%. The marginal rate is now 40%. So I think the government is very aware of the need to contain tax, uh, tax rates. The other question is how effectively we, we spend the money. And there certainly are issues there, both within education and in other spheres. So I think uh, people do want to know that the money that they're spending, and we all taxpayers, whether you are a rich person or a poor person, if you buy something, you're paying VAT. And all of us want to know that uh, that money is being spent as effectively as possible, that corruption has been contained as far as possible, and that inefficient or ineffective spending has been limited. And I think that's really where we should be focusing our energies, rather than on squeezing the, the taxpayer for more money. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Mr. Billy Jobert, the tax director of Deloitte. Just trying to clarify, from, from a tax perspective, is this something that we should be looking at as a discussion? Is it a discussion that can be had? Just as we wrap up with you, Mr. Jobert, is it a discussion that can be had in the future? Um, is there, are, there, are there ways and mechanisms of bringing about a graduate tax? Well, I think, uh, again, uh, SARS and, uh, and the Treasury has been very collaborative in terms of tax policy development. This is an example of something that has been put out there for discussion. The fact that the minister phoned in and heard the discussion mm. tells you a lot. I think the government is listening to what people are saying. Yeah. 
And um, so I can only hope that they will make the right decision. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Billy Joe Burt, tax director, uh, tax director of Deloitte. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I know that Mwako wanted to speak a little bit more, but we will continue this conversation. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a discussion that's going to be happening for a very long time, and we'll definitely be having it again. Thank you to Mwako Salamulela, President of the South African Students' Congress, and also um, Ghana, Magashule Ghana, who is the Deputy Federal Chair of the Democratic Alliance. Time now for the radio workshop. And this year, Valentine's Day took a different turn, and the tradition day of love and romance turned into a worldwide protest. A global awareness campaign called One Billion Rising used the day to protest sexual violence against women and children through dance and street action. Ten girls from the Onspleck project in Cape Town turned up the volume on the One Billion Rising theme song Break the Chains and danced to say no to rape and sexual violence against women and children. I'm standing here at um, College of Cape Town and watching a lot of women standing and rising. About 20 women, one, oh, and a man, oh, three men holding signs. I rise because I say no. I rise because um, I know that men can stop rape. I rise because women do not let men rape. And I rise because there is no excuse for abuse. I rise because I hate rape. I rise, I love that one. I rise because my clothes are not my constant. I'm Pam Jackson. I'm Director of OnSpec Projects for Female Street Children. And we're here because our work involves a lot of gender violence, discrimination against women, um, abuse against girls. So that's why we want to join this this one billion rising to stand up against it and to say we are women we celebrate our female heritage at the same time this is a very somber message we see too many people here that are are willing to see us when we are dancing And I wish that if uh, the people that they are watching us, they will not uh, abuse their wife and their children because what, what we are doing, the things we are doing, we are doing for them to not do what they are doing. My name is uh, Zodwa. I stay in Cape Town, Onsplek. My name is Nikki. I'm 12 years old. I live in Onsplek. Onsplek is in Cape Town. Onsplek is meant for girls. Yeah, violence can happen to anyone. And some of them say, you can stop violence. But if we can be together, hold our hands together as women, and we can talk to the men that when a woman say no, it's no. And uh, I guess something that uh, people said is that uh, Someone raped the child. I think that is not right. Because the child, what did the child do? Don't do nothing, the child. When a woman say no, the, the man will say, no, I want, to, I want to sleep with you now. Some of them, they get drunk. They have stress, they get drunk. Maybe drink and go home and beat and rape everything. Take the stress from, to the children and the mother. There are the other men that don't think about us. If they want something, they want it now, not tomorrow, not another day. We Now we have to protect ourselves because 
we don't know how what when we are going to the shops what will happen to us but we know that something is going to happen yeah you can wear your short skirt but you need to be careful with the short skirt because if a man see you with a short skirt and then and say come come let's go to the house I want to give you some money it's not your fault because you didn't say hey hey hello man I want you to to have sex with me no you didn't you didn't say that some of girls are saying it's my fault because I was wearing a short skirt. No, it's not their fault. No, it's not. And sometimes when a man rape you, he will say, when you go to the police, I'm going to kill you. So we need to go to the nearest clinic or phone the child line. When you're going to the police, you're going to say, can you please don't mention my name? Because the man said he's going to kill me. And another man says, a friend in the police station, Maybe a man has a friend in police station is going to say, No, we, you know, we, we can't arrest a man without the proof. So you need to show them where and when, what time. If you say it was, um, it was nine o'clock, I was, I was going to my friend and the, 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 the man's friend will say, What you were doing outside at nine o'clock. Sometimes, yeah, it happens. I think we, like, I think we must go together, like the dance we are doing now. We must show them that no is no. And I think they will listen. Some of them are aware, but I think when you are doing this dance, they will be more aware because people are doing the, the, the dance all over the country. Yeah. And uh, I hear something that there was a girl there in India. They raped the girl. I think there were seven men. They raped the girl in Yen Cape Town. I think that it must be stopped because that is not right. It must be stop. When we say stop, it's stop. And there's another n the numbers that we don't use it. I want to say, please can you call child line number? It's um, 080-005-5555. That is the child line. And I think that if, uh, if you keep a secret, don't keep it. If you have a friend, you can tell your friend. Or you can tell your mother, your family, or you think. Don't, if you're scared to call the police, you can tell anyone in the house and tell what is going on. Sometimes when you are raped by your father, and if you tell your mother, your mother is going to say you are lying. So you can tell the social workers and the, the police. If the men, they want to do something, they must not just say, I want it now. Hey, give me this. Because that is not right. Because it will be arrested and then there will be trouble if that day you see, you arrest me and there will be no food in the house. Find out more about the Children's Radio Foundation by liking your way to their Facebook page and their website at childrensradiofoundation.org. Tune in and be inspired. Uh, moving on, we are now in the uh, info corner right here on Inktune with myself, Naledi Mulo on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And this afternoon in our info corner, we're talking about the one-day leader and we're throwing forward to the show that will be going on air tomorrow. We're joined in studio by Usane Zondo, commissioning editor of the One Day Leader Project and also joined by Mr. Shadrach Mapasa, who is the executive producer for One Day Leader. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, let's talk about, the, uh, Sane, you're the commissioning editor, the need for having a show like this and to put it on air. 
I think, well, for SABC as a, as a public broadcaster, sparking national conversation and debate and getting the right kind of values and thinking out to society is, mm. is part of our mandate. And I work with SABC Education, the Youth Development Unit, and one day leader for us is that flagship show which is there to get young people talking and thinking about leadership so that it's a path that they do follow and it's, it's something that they into right now as youth people and work towards that in the mm-hmm. future. Well, let's talk about the show. I mean, you, you, you also, uh, in October last year, you started the search for some of the One Day Leader contestants and you've got the six contestants. You're not willing to reveal who they are? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to watch the show tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night at 6.30 mm-hmm. to um, we will be introducing our six contestants. Okay, and, and tell us about some of these contestants. You don't have to tell us the names, but you know, just just the kind of young people that they are. Well, they are very interesting young people, very intelligent, and they have um, um, they take um, issues of the country very seriously. Um, they are passionate about the country. They are passionate about youth development, mm. um, and we, we we strongly feel that they are the future of South Africa, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm. And of course, this is the second season of One Day Leader. Um, you know, a lot of the time we have these. Just last week, actually, we had a conversation right here on Intune around youth leadership, and we had a lot of uh, uh, callers and SMSs mm. saying, "You know, why are you discussing politics on a youth show?" And uh, the, the idea is that young people generally aren't interested in talking about leadership. So, the impact that season one did have, did that mindset and that mentality change somewhat? Um, I hear what you're saying and it's, it's, it's a conversation I have with myself every day and I think about it to say when you think reality talent search shows like your idols, your X Factor, all those things, we seemingly think that young people are into that mainstream pop culture like talent kind mm, of thing mm. and you think a format and a show like One Day Leader wouldn't have a place in society and also just the general negative stereotypes we have of youth and I think they do come from a place of truth but they're not necessarily always true when you say youth are inactive they just, just you know not, not organized in any kind of form One Day Leader sort of gives you the opportunity to see that young people out there do exist who are interested in politics and not just at a superficial face value, but really in depth. Because I was surprised when it during the search in the final phase when we do the interviews and we interact with the ones who made it to final six, mm. the kind of information and conversations that they were bringing up is, are things that even us as a crew who are much older didn't even know. And it was surprising to think that an 18-year-old or like a 21-year-old could have yeah. such information. Yeah. So I think that One Day Leader 2 was interesting in bringing it back when you see the responses that people were giving on Facebook and Twitter when they said, you know, culture entry is open, please enter. And they were like, I watched it last season and I was so excited. Mm. So it gives us a, a clear perspective that it is working, there is a need for it, and young people are taking to it. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about some of the judges that we've got uh, on this season as well. Tell us about some of those. I know that Shaga Sisulu is also one of the judges. Yes, correct. Uh, Shaga Sisulu is one of the judges. Um, 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 Puti Malavi is also one of our permanent judges. Uh, Puti Malavi is the CEO of Shanduka. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have Vusi, who is mentoring the contestant on location as they deliver um, the task. Uh, Vusi Tembekwa, you remember him? Yes, from, of course. From Such a passionate season. speaker, yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Okay. So those are, the, those are the three judges that we have. I think the most important question is to say we have these discussions, we can have academic discussions, we can bring young people and say, oh no, we're going to find a leader from these young people, but what happens to, 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 the, to the person that comes out as the, the, the ultimate one-day leader? A lot of things happen. I mean, um, I'm going to give you just a few um, things that season one uh, 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 winners or winner is doing. He's busy. He's still with the NYDA, mm-hmm. but he's got, he has his own project that he's currently doing, you know, encouraging young people to, you know, to go to school. Every year he does this, um, he does this talk with young people. And we have um, um, the, the, the runner-up of season one who started this agricultural um, um, a group with, with with other young people in the Eastern Cape is encouraging them to you know to start doing things for themselves, mm-hmm. and I think what, those are the kind of young people that we get on One Day Leader with passion and they want to do um, uh, things for themselves, mm-hmm. and I think One Day Leader is a platform for them to you know, mm-hmm. to, to expand their view, uh, visions. Mm-hmm. And some of, some of the, I mean, I know that these young people already are working in their own communities. They're already quite active. What are some of the same things that they are all doing? Um, I think the first one that comes to mind, one of the contestants has a... Um, a it's an organization, basically, because he's from a rural village set up and and in, in there's very few people that the youngsters there can actually point to and relate and say this person went to a VITS or a UJ or a UCT so I it's also possible for me I want to get there so yes. he's that icon him and the other people that he works with who go back to the community and they go with the application forms and the, you know the um, fee support kind of forms that you take to NSFAS which I think at some point you might think that's something small, but when you understand that even getting access to those forms and even knowing that there is a VIT and it's accessible to you as well, there is a UJ, is something important and it's it's just one of the examples. Um, the other five also have their own projects, but that's just the first that... Okay, I know that, I know that you're also being quite secretive because you don't want to reveal everything that can see mm-hmm. in your faces. You want to wait until everyone can watch tomorrow. So the, the, the first episode is airing tomorrow evening. What time, uh, what station, and just what can we expect that is different from this season? Okay, um, the, the, the first episode is, is airing at about at half past six, mm-hmm. six thirty on SABC One. Okay. Um, what can you expect that is different this season? I think, I think ev- every season will be different mm-hmm. uh, because of the, 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 the character of young people that come, mm-hmm. you, that come through to the show and also uh, the projects that they bring you know, in, 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 you know, into the show and the ideas that they bring into the show, that basically drives the show, and that every year it will always be different in that way. Okay. Well, I know that I know that uh, you know it is obviously the beginning of the first season, and a lot of the episodes are shot live, and so mm. you guys are only starting the second project. But are we going to be seeing more in the future? At this point, like you're saying, because we go through a process when something is on air and you review it, but just from general thinking at the moment, it is one of those projects that's essential to us as a broadcaster and also as a country. Um, but obviously, you know how TV works. We look at your ARs and you know your performance on air and then decide, is it coming back and what do we do better and different? 
And Shadrach is smiling, thinking, oh, this AR has better work. I'll be watching. Don't worry. I will add <laughs> a, an, extra spo- an extra point. And you can also um, add to this, the successful ARs of the One Day Leader Show um, on SABC One tomorrow evening at 6.30. Uh, Mr. Shadrach Mapasa, executive producer of One Day Leader and also Sanezondo, commissioning editor on the One Day Leader Project, speaking to us. Thank you so much for joining us. That's the end of Inchi. We'll be back again next week, Saturday. Time now. Now, though, for the African Connection with Richard Wamba.